Welcome to the Homie Hut Podcast. I'm your host, John Facundo. And on this show, I shoot the breeze with some of my friends about their everyday lives. Some of them have managed to go on to do some pretty cool stuff. I'm talking to regular people who sometimes go on to do extraordinary things. So kick back, listen in, and enjoy the show. This is the Homie Hub Podcast. If you're in school, you can't wait your real self. Hey man, how's it going? Good, how you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for coming on. So tell us your story and how you got started. Yeah, so uh, I am a Mexican-American author. I am a cyclist. I started riding bikes when I was like, I would say six or seven. I started BMX racing. Um, and I started around that time drawing as well. And I always wanted to make books. So yeah, now I, I make video games. Um, I have a book out. I have a new book out coming in September. They're both about my great grandfather and his life. And yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now. So can you share with us the journey of how you transitioned from like being a, I noticed on your bio, you were a special ed teacher. Yeah. Um, can you share a little bit about that transition? Yeah. Well, you know, I always wanted to do art and I always wanted to do education. My mom was a teacher. My uncle was a teacher. Um, and I was really inspired by going to their classrooms as a, as a child and just helping other people out. And I also, uh, went to college and got a degree in painting and drawing. And then I got another degree in, in, uh, elementary and special ed. And going into being a teacher is very steady as a job. And I didn't have to like really, um, I guess, struggle as an artist at first because I got to draw at night when I was a teacher during the day. And then I transitioned because, you know, eventually my art just took over and I could no longer be a teacher. Even though I do miss working with the children, I just, you know, my art took over. And I said, you know what, I can do children's books and I can reach and help kids better that way, I feel like, as opposed to being a teacher. So yeah, it was a, a pretty f- smooth transition. Um, you know, uh, obviously anyone that knows special education, you have to write IEPs. So there's a lot of paperwork too. So at a certain point too, I was like, you know what, I'm making more money doing my art. So I don't have to really do paperwork anymore either. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough, man. I mean, I'm telling you that's, it's a lot of, uh, you start doing a lot of work you're not getting paid for and yep. it just it becomes one of those things where it's like it's less about helping and working with the children it's more about you know you got to get this paperwork because people are the state's breathing down your neck so yeah it, that had a lot to do with it too the term's legally defensible is a, yeah. is a big thing <laughs> so your your debut children's book the boy from mexico it's received a lot of acclaim and you can find it at all like major outlets like Amazon and what inspired you to write this and tell us a little bit about that story yeah um well as a teacher uh I had I worked with uh, at a school district in downtown Phoenix that was um title one which is to say it was low income um so the state kind of makes up for those funds and it was 99% Hispanic so I had a lot of the kids asking me questions about um you know where I come from, uh, they are asking questions about where they came from, you know, cause they, they all looked like me. And it was one of those things where, you know, 
as a kid, I didn't really know where I came from. Um, I didn't know who my great grandfather was because he passed away when I was very young. So I just wanted to make a story that talked about, you know, just how grateful I am about my great grandfather crossing the border and giving me the life I now have in the United States. And I knew all those kids could relate to it. And I know it's still a kind of a taboo topic. Um, so I kind of just made it, uh, so they could, I guess, show someone else, Hey, this is my story as it was mine, and my great grandfather's. Yeah. So that's one thing, like, especially in the current political climate, everything is so sensationalized and there's a lot of like tabloid headlines and things like that around the topic of immigration. But what I'm finding, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, there is a human aspect of that. And that doesn't really play into the politics or into the, you know, things you see on the evening news. How do you ensure that you have a good impact for a diverse audience? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good point you bring up because I didn't want the book to be overtly political. I didn't mm-hmm. want it, the book to be, uh, I guess, subjective. I, I you know, it, I, I wanted it to be objective. I wanted, if you, if you read my book or my new book, it's not telling you to feel a certain way about anything. It's just simply telling you there is a boy at one point and this, this boy had to leave his home because he felt like he would have a better life somewhere else. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough, I guess, path to walk because you can't scare it. You, sh- you can't scare the kids with this stuff. You know, you have to just say, Hey, this is how it is. You can't say, Hey, there's people dying and all this stuff. You just have to say, Hey, there, there's people that live here and they come to here and in between there is a border and it's it's life you know it's the human aspect it's not it's not a headline it's not a statistic um and yeah my subsequent books after that first book will talk about even me i'll i'll be a character in in the later stories and how grateful i am that um my great-grandfather did that stuff for me because i wouldn't be able to mountain bike i wouldn't be the, the artist or the author i am today without him making that journey. Right. And the, the beauty of that all too, is, you know, going back to that humanization, I think is, is really key. Uh, A lot of times we tend to miss that, I think. So talk to me about the illustration and artwork process. Like, do you have any rituals or routines that you follow to get started or how do you conceptualize your art? Yeah. So, um, I know we're not showing video, but I have a little here, a little, uh, I have little sticky notes that I write my, my little story arcs on. They start here, they're here in the middle and they end here. So I have these little story arcs and I have, I put them up. I, I write and I illustrate my own stories, um, which apparently is really rare in children's books. So I write these little story arcs and they're overarching, right? So they have, this is going to be a book series. So there's probably going to be five books. I think that's where my publishing contract was. Um, And from there, I start doing little sticky notes of drawings. How can the story start? What does this page look like? What does this page look like? And then from there, I start doing more detailed drawings on my sketchbook. And then I go in on my uh, tablet. I have a big tablet right next to me that I draw everything on. 
Um, sometimes I scan in the drawings, sometimes I don't. And I just freestyle it on the tablet. And I try to record every single drawing I do with the books because I know AI is a big thing too now. So I want to make sure, you know, people know I'm, I'm, there's a real human making these things too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun process to lay out a narrative for kids and try to keep them engaged the whole time while I guess not scaring them because it's mm-hmm. such a real, real topic, you know? Is there an age range or is it kind of like, yeah. So as far as, um, the books, they're, kindergarten through third grade and yeah as far as my character he starts out at the same age my great-grandfather was which was 14 that's when he crossed when you start a new project what do you feel is the most important part of your process is it the story arc is it the actual illustration is a combination of all of it obviously you're going towards a specific goal but is there something that you enjoy doing more than something else i i would say um the toughest part is the writing yeah. to make sure that, I mean, I've been drawing forever, but to just to make sure that the story, the kids can connect the beginning with the end and they can see that the character, um, comes out, you know, better at the end. Um, they see the conflict, they see how the character got over that in a positive way and they, yeah, they can kind of m- meld that with the artwork that I make, um, which I try to make it fun I try to make it like the story, you know, kind of guide their eye through the artwork. Like you start here on the left and then you look to the right. And that's the same with the words. The words are, you know, he's here on the left page and then on the right page. Because I usually work in double page spreads. So he's on the left page and he's going here and then on the right page, it's something different. I just try to make it very uh, interactive. And if you look at the the artwork, um, a lot of the artwork looks like the, the, the reader is there with... Uh, my great grandfather. So mm. we have a lot of perspectives of like in the bushes or, you know, you're right next to him. So I just try to make it seem like they're part of the journey too. I noticed in some of your uh, work as well, there's a video component to the books. Yeah. So I, I like to make little trailers. Uh, I'm an animator as well. Uh, I do game design and I do a lot of animation for that. So I like to um, just animate just so parents or teachers can see or companies see what the book's about and then obviously there's the ebook version and then there's the audiobook version so it's just a whole experience and i would like to one day do the book animated um because a lot of the trailers i do are animated pages from the book i'd like to do an animated book one day if someone has the budget for that but <laughs> i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's a thing yet but yeah well that seems like the next logical step in the progression is that you would get into yeah. that. So going back to the series of books, you start with uh, Lewis, who's your great-great-grandfather. Will there be a continuation throughout the whole series of his character or? Yeah. Is it a generational type thing that you're you're doing? Yeah, or? yeah. That's a really good, um, I, I, I don't want to give away too much. That's a really good question. Yeah, yeah, of course not. Yeah. Um, so my first book is about him coming to this country to the United States. And then the second book, which comes out September 10th, 2024, this year, is about him as a farm worker in the Central Valley of California. So he's an adult now. Yeah. And he's got kids, which his kids are my grandparents. Mm -hmm. And um, it's one of those things where it's like, it's this whole story arc, right? It's the trauma of coming here, of leaving your home, 
that's the first book. The second book is uh, what do our, our family members do when they get here as far as uh, assimilating, um, working? And then the third book is what do their children do? And how do they, you know, get along in this country as, as Mexicans and Americans? So that's what the third book will be about. And that will be more about my life. And um, Luce, which is my great-grandfather, Luce will still be in the book, but he'll be uh, older. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where I try to bring it full circle so people can kind of get that, or at least kids can see that that whole aspect of, you know, how did I get here? What did my family have to do when they got here? And then what do I do? So you just talked about characters. I know we have your, your great-grandfather as, as one, well, not just a character, but as actual human, but do you have multiple characters that you work on that work for different projects? Yeah, so uh, that's a really good question, and I haven't told anyone this yet, but so The Boy from Mexico is a its own series, <laughs> and uh, I have, um, I won't give the titles out for the future books, but things that surround uh, around Halloween and Christmas, those will be in that series. And then there, I have another character who's uh, supposed to be me, but I made it a little girl because I wanted my niece to be a character. So she's, uh, I won't say her name or the title of those books, but it's a whole nother series. And that series right now, I'm actually um, directing a movie on. So I'm, oh, nice. I'm animated, yeah, an animated uh, short film. It's going to be 10 minutes long. And uh, hopefully we get into like Sundance Film Festival and stuff. So we're working on that right now with um, an animation studio in, in Los Angeles. So are there cycling specific characters or will there be any like cross promotion or cross activity? Do we I, see some of these characters in bikes or the, the main character of the new series will be on a, a bike, but more so like skateboard, bike, rollerblades, okay. just like extreme sports. Um, I do, however, want to do in the future, maybe in five years, like a, a cycling, uh, series for kids. Let's um let's switch over a little bit to cycling. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh cycling I started well, I, I started out doing T ball and then soccer and basketball and I wasn't very good at any of those. Um this was probably when I was four or five and six. And I didn't have fun doing them. And I, I mean I like soccer, but for me it was just very blah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I always had a bike and I was riding my bike and I wasn't doing good at the other sports. And my dad had, my dad was a custodian at the time at a school district. And he ran into a guy that BMX raced at a bike track. And he said, you know, your son would like this if he likes to ride a bike. Cause my dad said, Oh, my son rides a bike all the time. And it's all he ever does. And so I was about six or seven. My dad took me to, um, a bike track here in Phoenix, uh, called, what was it? Black Mountain. Yeah. Black Mountain BMX Raceway. So he took me there and I was hooked. I, I BMX raced until I was probably 16. I had a really, no, 15. I had a really bad crash. Mm. Uh, I've always crashed, but this time I broke a lot of bones. And, um, then after that I got into mountain biking and road biking um gravel biking now uh i still mountain bike and, and road bike every day but or every other day but yeah it's it's one of those things where it's just a lifelong passion i guess you can say it's it's my escape 
I guess every I, the best way to describe it to people that don't ride bikes is every time I get on my bike, I feel like I'm that little kid again. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah, freedom. There you go. Yeah, exploration. Right, right. I guess you first came into or onto my radar through your Instagram posts. And at that particular point, you were doing a lot of like cycling culture artwork. Yeah. You were doing a lot of like, you know, the... Yolanda Neffs, the all these professionals, yep. and and it's, you seem to be getting some pretty good traction with that. How's that been? How's that? Are you still doing that kind of thing, or are you, have you tapered back a little bit on that? That's that's funny you say that. I was just thinking about that the other day. I and this was this must have been 2016, 2017. Yeah, um, because at that time I was a nobody in the cycling industry, so I, I had to to get attention. But also to get my portfolio mm-hmm. was I was drawing all these people. And I, for example, I, I drew Yolanda Neff and she rides for Trek. So all of a sudden I'm in contact with Trek and Trek's riding me. I rode, I was drawing people that rode for Specialized or Santa Cruz. And all of a sudden I'm talking to those bike brands and it, I don't draw uh, people that much anymore. I do for companies. But that was my main goal was to get in contact with those companies. So I can now say I've worked with uh, Trek, um, Specialized. Uh, I work with Giant a lot, Giant and Live. Um, yeah, so I, 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 would, I did that to get to that level. Like right now I'm, I'm working, trying to get into uh, Free Hub Magazine, which is like a mm-hmm. mountain bike magazine. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at my wall right now. I've been in Backcountry Magazine, Outside Magazine, Mountain Flyer, the Mountain Bike Journal. So I've been in those to do artwork and stuff just because I did all those drawings of those people and they see that and they're like, Hey, we want you to do this and that. So yeah, that, that's why I did that. And it was, it was awesome for that. Well, one of the things about the cycling community is it's a really tight knit bunch, even though it doesn't seem like it, like it's, you're always one step from, you know, one person or one step from a company or pro or it's a really tight knit community. So if you can kind of get your foot in that way, that's really cool. I noticed that you segued into making a custom jersey for Jordana. Yeah, so um, that was another thing I wanted to do was to make um, custom, like I, custom kits. I love kits. You know mm-hmm. how it is. You ride bikes. You want to look. You want to look fresh. And yep. I didn't like anything that I saw out there, so I wrote Giordana, who's a huge Italian brand, and I showed them some watercolor. I'm looking at my jerseys. I've done. One, two, three. So I've done three with them. Two watercolor ones of uh, orchids and then another watercolor one of hibiscus. And then I did a Estrella Jalisco one, uh, alcohol. And those were really fun. And I have a new one coming out in a month, I think. It's uh, called, oh my gosh, what is it called? Cat something. It's with cats. So there's cats in space. Oh, nice. Um, With like... Yeah, like, like swords, like laser swords and laser guns and rockets. So it's just super goofy. Um, yeah, I I always wanted to do that. So it was really cool that they saw me and said, hey, would you ever want to put, um, they, they saw one of my characters, like, would you ever want to like design a jersey for us? And I said, I would love to. And so I sent them all those designs. And yeah, that was that. Was that. The cycling industry as a whole can be kind of stringent in certain aspects. When you look at it as a consumer, you think, oh, it's pretty free because of all the graphics, the colors, and all of that. 
but on the other side of it, being in the industry, you can kind of see that it's kind of stringent and tight. What sort of creative freedoms did they give you when you're crafting your, your cycling stuff, your artwork? Did they just cut you loose or did they say you have to do it a certain way, the way we want it? So there's a few things. Um, I'll say this, uh, there's two types of jobs that I get hired for. Um, I'll take an example of, uh, a job I did for giant and then I'll take the Giordana kit, for example. So the Giordana kit, they let me do whatever I wanted. <laughs> um, they didn't care. They said, do whatever you want. We'll do a pre-order. We'll put you up on our website. So every time I do a kit with them, it's on their website. It's really cool. Um, but when I was working for like a bigger company, not, I wouldn't say, well, definitely Giant's huge. They're like the biggest bike manufacturer on the planet. But right. I mean, like bigger as in they are very corporate. So uh, they have a lot of restrictions. I mean, they send you like this whole, uh, I think it was like 10 pages document about how to even pr put the logo in my animation. I was doing the animation of their new shoe. It was the uh, MES technology. Uh, motion ef uh, efficiency. I forgot what it was called, but MES shoe, I had to design it. Um, and I've done this for like Shimano as well. Like show the inside of the shoe and then show the outside coming onto it. And they do this by, they put that video like on their website to show people like, hey, this is what the inside of the shoe looks like. And this is what it, the technology inside of it. Or for, like the one for Shimano, for example, that was for um, showing the pe the retailers so showing the retailer, like, hey, this is how this new product works. So I would do like 3D renderings, but they're animated. Um, those have a lot of restrictions. Shimano. Uh, and then there's a language barrier because I don't speak Japanese. So a lot of times Shimano is yelling, you know, like, you're doing this wrong. And I'm just like, hold on, I'm trying to translate. And, you know, so, I mean, my Sp I'm not even great at speaking Spanish, let alone English. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. So there's a lot of restrictions for sure. Um when you wouldn't think there would be and then it's got to go through different phases of production and yeah it's just it's interesting for sure so let's uh transition a little bit out of cycling and let's go into like you mentioned earlier um ai how is ai affecting like what you do or does it affect do you see it as like a symbiotic relationship or do you see it as something that's like a threat to what you do or the craft that you do <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. No one's really asked me that. I've seen a lot of my artist friends talk about it, but no one's asked me that question specifically. Um, I don't see it as a threat, um, just because I know what I do, and I I know I know when someone wants to look at my art or they buy my book, they know what they're getting. They're getting an Edward Dennis book or whatever. Um, I do make videos, so no one accuses me of of doing AI. Right. I don't. I don't have an issue with AI. I, if you're asking me honestly, um, I I don't know if I would ever use it just because I've never found a reason to need to use it. Um, I'm sure I would, if there was a way to like, I don't know, wash my hands with AI, I guess I would do that because I don't like washing my hands. If, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If there was, like, right. if there was something I didn't need to like, if it wasn't my, my, craft that i've honed for years and sure i would use ai for it who who cares right um, but as far as my book and stuff i don't see it as a threat i do know that publishers um are very they run your your art and your story through an ai filter 
Mm-hmm. So they, they are on the lookout for people who are making AI stuff just so they can reject them, which that's their prerogative, right? I'm not a publisher. Um, I'm only an author. So I don't see it as a threat. I see people making like art with AI and I don't have an issue with it. Um, I know a lot of people when they come to look at my stuff on Instagram or something, they like watching videos of me making this stuff. Yeah. That's very different than AI. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that there is room for both. I'm not really married to either or. I'm kind of in the same boat you are with that. You know, I really appreciate the hand-drawn craft, you know, and the conceptualization of that. But I also appreciate the tech side of it as well. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, as far as I can tell, AI is going to, I it's going to help us. It's going to mm-hmm. cure cancer. It's going to make life easier. Um, it might turn into Skynet in the future. I don't know, but I'm, you know, who knows? I don't know the future. I just know that, um, if AI is going to help you do something that you normally couldn't more power to you, it's like an e-bike, right? Like, I don't, I don't hate e-bikes. I'm sure I'll be riding one one day. Right. Probably when you're my age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They'll have hover bikes by then or something. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. Right on. So, um, you mentioned some of the projects that you have coming up. What's on tap for 2024? Yeah, um, um, I'm working on a, uh, finishing a couple of video games with my partner. He's a professor at the uh, University of Texas, Austin, uh, in video game design. We're finishing up a, a couple of video games. I think we're doing one for like Fred Rogers Productions, Mr. Rogers' uh, company. Um, I get book coming out in September, September 10th. Um, the boy from Mexico becomes a farm worker and I'm trying to finish my animated short film with, uh, the animation company. And, uh, hopefully that comes out next year, like in January, February. So do you want to plug your socials a little bit? Tell us where we can find you. Yeah. Yeah. You can find me, uh, you can go to my website, theboyfrommexico.com or Eduardo Deniz, D-E-N-N-I-Z on Instagram same as uh twitter and all that stuff so yeah look me up i'm always drawing stuff and riding bikes well it's been a really good time having you on here getting to know you a little bit on a personal note i want to say thank you for blessing us a, a few years ago with a nice portrait you did of my wife in your wedding dress that was sick we still have it hanging up and everything so awesome awesome shout out to you for that thanks brother Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Well, folks, that's a wrap for the Homie Hub. Stay chill, stay curious, and I'll catch you on the flip side.